What number is this, Chip? Zilch 151. The Monkeys Live, the Mike and Mickey show with Andrew Sandoval. <laughs> okay, no, I mean, don't get excited, man. It's because I'm short. I'm Zilch. Zilch. You're listening to Zilch, a Monkeys podcast. Welcome back to Zilch, your podcast full of monkeys. And today we have a big treat. There's a brand new album coming out by the monkeys. And we have Andrew Sandoval here to talk all about it. Welcome to the show, Andrew. Hey, Ken. It's good to be back with you. It's great to have you here as usual. And we have a monkeys live album, right? The Mike and Mickey show live. You can go on YouTube and watch the official video for the last train to Clarksville. You can order the CD or the vinyl right now on Amazon. That's right. It's the Monkeys Live, the Mike and Mickey Show. And this is uh, recordings from our March 2019 tour primarily. There's a couple little bits and pieces from uh, June of 2019 when we were in Australia as well, but primarily from March. And um, it's a project that we started working on in 2018, and it was actually something that was suggested by Michael Nesmith. Mm. Now, before we get really too far into it, I know there's been a lot of discussion online because anytime you announce a monkeys project, people are, you know, excited to discuss it and usually to kind of pull it apart to pieces like, why do we even need this? This isn't what I think it's going to be. And, you know, so the main thing is I know a lot of people were shocked and somewhat even offended by the suggestion that this is their first official live album. But I will tell you why we're we're saying that on the sticker. And that's because the original first live record that people say, well, don't you know about Live in 67? I'm sure you you don't, you, you know, did you forget that? It's like, well, that record was made in 1967, obviously, but it never came out. It wasn't even ever mixed in 1967. It wasn't even ever announced in 1967 as a project. And let me tell you, I've been through so much historical data on the monkeys, especially from that era. And almost, you know, if Davey was going to, uh, clip his fingernails, it was announced in the press. <laughs> so it's so shocking that they didn't discuss, oh, yeah, well, we're recording these four shows. We're going to see how it comes out. And people said, well, yes, but Peter says you know, on the recording, he's, he acknowledges that they're recording, and you, you'll be heard in the stereo. It's like yeah, he, they knew they were recording it, but they also knew they were recording in Arizona in 67 too. But they, they seemingly had no plans for a record release. And I don't even know if they, they never mixed it then. And it wasn't until about 1987 that Rhino – dug out those tapes and, and put together a release, which I, I love that record, but it's a historic archival record. It's not something the monkeys envisioned or had any real input on how it came out. And that's been a thing over the years for them. I've been on the other side of it where I've been working at Rhino, putting together records and the monkeys get the records and say, I wish you had asked us about this. Cause we, you know, I would have told you something about this or I don't really want this out or whatever else. So, mm-hmm. This is the first live record where they've really had that input. Now, of course, there have been some other live records that have come down the pike. There was a record in 1986 that Davy Jones produced that was almost going to be an official release, uh, but they got into a dispute 
with Columbia Pictures over the use of the name The Monkees. They couldn't get it. And then Rhino was going to distribute it, put it out, and then they bailed out on it. So it was sold at some of the live concerts um, in very limited release. And then, again, in the early 2000s, um, the Monkees did a board recording of one of their shows, which a board recording is just a straight feed from whatever is going out over the PA into whatever kind of format they were recording on at the time, cassette or CD or DAT or whatever. And um, they put that out, but that wasn't really... That was just one night, uh, not mixed, just, you know, what happened as it happened, like a bootleg, which is great. I collect bootlegs. I love live tapes by different artists. I love hearing things differently, but, um, it wasn't a really planned out record. It was, well, we can make a little bit of money off this and we'll do it. There's also a DVD that David Fishoff did a license for called live summer tour. Again, it was mostly thought about as a DVD and not even really planned out so much it did come out as an audio cd at one time some of the songs from it but it wasn't something that the monkeys creatively got engaged in, in fact they had mickey and mickey and davy had had got had asked peter to leave the band or vice versa and it was the cause of some acrimony so littered behind us are all of these sort of half half authorized projects half-hearted attempts at live records but never has there been a live record in the monkey's history that was fully conceived and authorized by the monkeys? And obviously it's just Michael and Mickey at this point, but they're still the monkeys. And Michael asked me during rehearsals for the 2018 tour, he said, you know, this is sounding really good. Do you think we can make a record of this? And I said, yes. And so we started recording the shows in 2018, but we ran into a lot of issues with Michael's health. Mm-hmm. And it was quite public and it was, heart-wrenching to watch him struggle um at times doing incredible shows that year but other times really having trouble with his breathing and other things because i mean he was on the precipice of a major major heart episode which he managed to avoid but we had to postpone dates and when we came back in 2019 it was heartening to see that he was back around healthy and also that he had so much more lung capacity to sing Mm -hmm. so he was singing better than he was Uh, in the June dates of 2018. So towards the end of that run in March of 2019, I thought, you know, we should roll, we should roll the tapes again. Obviously we weren't rolling tapes, we're rolling files, but let's multi-track record some of these shows. Let's, let's try and isolate Rich's drums a little bit so we can get a good mix. Cause I had done some test mixes on the 2018 stuff and wasn't totally happy. And then got into a long conversation with Christian Nesmith about um, how the stuff would be mixed and, we started really, really going for it and and also involving the guys too. And uh, so this is a really, really dedicated effort to make a live album. It's intentional and it's uh, I think it's a really beautiful album. It's almost like this is the first real in time Monkeys live album. You know what I mean? With purpose. Right, exactly. Not an archival and not like well, David Fishoff said he could get us another couple thousand dollars if if they let us film, you know, or whatever else. Or the producers of the TV show want to record some of our concerts and see what they sound like. You know, I mean, those that's what those other things are. Those weren't planned out. I mean, again, people who are big fans might mention, they said, well, did Andrew forget in 1969 they were supposed to record their show in Oakland Coliseum and that was supposed to come out as a live album? I didn't forget about that, but the tapes have never surfaced. So... I would love 
for those tapes to surface. And I do know that that was all planned out as a live album. It was announced. That's why the Live 67 thing is so perplexing to me, why they would never have announced it uh, if they really had intended to put it out that year or all year. So let's talk about the bits and pieces that are on this record. Do you have any questions? Well, first off, it's not very often that you get contacted by Andrew Sandoval and are given an opportunity to sit down and listen to the new Monkees Live album with you. This is kind of amazing, right? This is an amazing thing. And what we have to share today with the listeners is this incredible document, and we're going to try to play some snippets of the thing. We're not giving it to you, folks. You're going to have to buy this album, and I'm telling you right now, it is amazing. This album sounds so good. And I know you and Christian work very hard on it. It's true. It's very different. I think a lot of Monkees fans are used to live albums, especially because of the ones that came before, which are kind of documents of mm -hmm. a specific show. Uh, often they're very ambient. Uh, some of the ones we put out archivally have had no vocals recorded, you know, like the Arizona 67, where we were fighting just to hear them at all. This was very purposely recorded and, and very, very carefully mixed where we wanted to bring out all of the little bits and pieces, and that's what Christian did a brilliant job of, really highlighting all the bits that, you know, I'm lucky enough to see them perform each night, but, mm -hmm. you know, most fans get to see one show, maybe three shows, four shows, whatever. They're lucky to see more than one show. The sound at each venue is random. You know, we, we can only do so much to dial it in each day, and it's also dependent on how big an audience there is, and there's all these variables. But with this, we took the best performances from all the shows we recorded and put them together. And so we got something that's really, I think, definitive and playable, too. I want to make a record that uh, was evergreen that you could listen to outside of just the one time. Most live records it's like, yeah, I heard them do that joke a billion times now. I don't want to play it again or whatever. I want these versions to be the best live versions that we could get. And uh, I think we succeeded. Mm -hmm. Well, let's first take a look at the track list, and we're just going to run through them real quick. It's Last Train to Clarksville, Sunny Girlfriend, Mary Mary, You Told Me, For Pete's Sake, Door into Summer, You Just May Be the One, A Little Bit Me, A Little Bit You, The Girl I Knew Somewhere, Birth of an Accidental Hipster, St. Matthew, As We Go Along, Circle Skies, Pleasant Valley Sunday, Papa Jean's Blues, Randy Scouse Git, Tapioca Tundra, Mia Magdalena, Auntie, Auntie's Municipal Court, Going Down, Sweet Young Thing, I'm Not Your Stepping Stone, Daydream Believer, Listen to the Band, and I'm a Believer. And it's literally something for every Monkees fan out there, right? Because you've got what we deem as the must plays. Right. And then there's all of these songs that are just so iconic to so many Monkees fans. And the Monkees have this catalog where... Uh, for example, the casuals know like maybe six songs, right? Right. But Monkees fans have taken every song off those first six or whatever albums, and they've made all of those tracks as equally as important as Daydream Believer or I'm a Believer, right? Yeah. I mean, but Ken, where's Good Clean Fun? I mean, the, that's the only song I ever wanted to hear by the Monkees live, <laughs> and the entire record is ruined for me now because it's not on there. Well, why don't we explain why it's not? <laughs> well, one off, you, you know, you just r rattled off 25 songs. It's unbelievable in this era to have that many songs on a CD because what a lot of people don't understand is in America, North America, 
versus the UK. Um, you pay per song that you put on uh, on a, a CD. And when I initially delivered this project to Rhino, they were like, um, wait a second, that's like a lot of songs. And we thought you were going to maybe put 20 songs, but why do we have this many songs? I said, come on, they all fit on here. They're great. This has got to be really definitive. And it wasn't a case that Good Clean Fun didn't fit on time-wise, although that's one issue. But when we recorded the shows, it's the it was the opening song in the show, but it was also the one <laughs> that had the most technical difficulties from night to night because people were adjusting and kind of mm-hmm. getting in, in in tune to uh, to play for the rest of the evening. And for whatever reason, we just never got a version I thought was great. Christian did mix the version, and we had to have Michael come in and do some repairs on it so it would be kind of, you know, good enough to release. And I was just like, this is not what I had hoped for. And I just, I know that if people heard it, they'd say, oh, this is great. But I wanted the first thing that people heard on the record to be something amazing. I wanted it to be something that was going to be surprising. And I wanted them to listen for the, the next 80 minutes to the monkeys. That's always my hope. You know, it's like making that, you know, special playlist or whatever for people where you you try and pull them into the monkey's cult with you you know mm-hmm. and that's what i want to do with this record and i as much as i'm a historian and as much as i was so excited and happy that michael was doing good clean fun on these last two tours we didn't have a good enough recording of it and i had to be the person to to sort of make that decision make that decision and i feel bad about it but then we said, well, well, we'll try and put it out. We tried to look at these different uh, ways to put it out. And I'm hoping that still down the line, the record will be successful enough. We'll get to put out some standalone release with, there were a lot of other good songs that are not on this record. It's funny that people only mention that one, but like they did a great version of I'll Spend My Life With You. Mm-hmm. There's also Porpoise Song isn't on here. But, you know, the version of As We Go Along was better than the version of Porpoise Song. Uh, is, and I had to pick, you know, if you're going to pick one, four and a half minute song from head you've got to pick what's the better performance so i mean that's kind of the place i was having to sit in as a producer not so much just like well i'm a fan and i'm a completist so unless rhino wants to put out his two cd version of this uh, or we'll just self-release it i i didn't want to be in that place i want to make a record that would be for everybody so i'm hoping the monkeys fans will forgive me and will listen with open ears and will understand that this is a record that hopefully they'll listen to more than once and will make some new fans for the monkeys. Mm-hmm. And it's good that we're talking about the track listing because there was confusion early on and a lot of people's uh, rush to get the news out. There were what was looking like different versions for different countries. And we're going on record right now, letting all of you know that there is right now only one version that's available for every country right now, right? That's correct. Yes. That means that's a single CD or two LP set. And as of right now, I've been told that the two LP vinyl version of the record will be available on May the 15th. Oh, fantastic. And this CD drops on? April the 3rd, actually, uh, the opening date of our tour, which starts in Vancouver and carries through to the April the 26th in Nashville. If you haven't got a ticket yet to see Michael and Mickey on this tour, I advise you to to grab one because uh, it's going to be a great show. And we are planning to do most of the stuff on this live record because we haven't played the Mike and Mickey show in a lot of the places we're going. I know a lot of people are disappointed that we're not going back to the same places we've been before, but we may get there later in the year. And secondarily, um, 
I have a couple of surprises up my sleeve. I'm hoping that Michael and Mickey uh, have said yes to as far as the set list to throw in a couple of new things or, or old things rather that they haven't done in quite some time or ever. Mm. Uh, so, you know, the Mike and Mickey show continues to evolve and, and uh, we're excited to play this, this record live. So the CD are available on April 3rd, and that's when the tour kicks off. So 25 great monkey songs coming at you. And as you mentioned, you're kicking off some tour dates, and we'll hit those later towards the end of the show. So you can uh, get your links ready to buy tickets. But let's talk about the personnel that's on this album, the people that you're going to be hearing, because it is an amazing lineup. And, of course, it's anchored by the great Wayne Avers. Right. Uh, what can you say about him? You've got uh, the wonderful Rich Dart on drums, Alex Jules on keys. John Billings' bass playing on this album is mind-blowingly good. Yes, I agree. But because you can't always hear it at the venue, you can feel it, but you can't always hear it. But uh, right. it's just so amazing. But we'll get into that later. And you've got Coco on background, Cersei on background, Christian Esmith on guitar and background vocals. And you also have, and of course, Pete Finney on steel guitar. Yes, the great Pete Finney. And you've got Probing Gregory, right? Correct. Yeah, he was on our tour with us in March. And he does some amazing stuff as well. So we're going to... Uh, I don't think I left anyone. Oh, and Michael and Mickey. They were there, too. Those so. guys, yeah, they were there. They were there. <laughs> they sang some of the songs, yeah. And uh, I just want to say that at the very beginning of this review and discussion, I just want to say that most live albums sound like they're recorded so you can hear them from the audience. Right. But this album is meant to be played loud. It's got right. thunderous drums and bass. Yes. But it also feels surprisingly intimate, like you're sounding like you're on the stage. Yes. Christian did a brilliant job with the mixing. Uh, there was a moment when he was doing test mixes, and he sent me a mix of Door to Summer. And that's when I knew, oh, my God, we've got a record here. This is going to work, you know. Because I reviewed all the performances and done rough mixes and things and picked picked basically made a grid for him of, of all the from the different shows and what the best songs were and what even if, if there was an issue with like a verse or a chorus or something where the best backup was for things in case we had to do any repairs and when I heard the door into summer I just blew my I'm like yes this is going to be a great monkeys album. Agreed and it is fantastic. If you're a monkeys fan and you complain about this album I have to wonder if you really like the monkeys because <laughs> this is the kind of thing that I've waited for for such a long time and if you would have told me that I would be hearing a brand new live monkeys album recorded by this lineup in 2020 i would have had to pinch myself but here we are folks and as you're hearing this today it's media day for the monkeys live the mike and mickey show and uh it's just going to be a great day for monkeys fans yeah you know it, it's if you're complaining about the record you haven't heard it yet agreed agreed I don't think it's what people are expecting. I think that they're expecting like the CD that they sold at the shows in the 2000s as a board tape or the, you know, the, the DVD, just the audio from the DVD that it, or live in 67, which is just like, well, we put up some mics and we tried to capture this phenomenon. We very carefully recorded this and we very carefully mixed it. And we very carefully went over the track list 
to make it kind of bulletproof in my mind. I've listened to this album a lot of times now, and I've been surprised at how playable. And I, for some friends before before we we pressed on with it, I, I I've been telling friends, oh yeah, this is this record I'm working on producing, and oh, okay, well, well let's listen to it a little bit, and then we end up listening to all 80 minutes of it because mm. they're like, oh, this is really good. Oh my god, this that's a great. Wow, they sound really good. And in even when we were mastering, it's like these guys sound excited to be performing these songs. It's it's definitely not. The we're bored with playing our hits. We're bored with doing this. We're tired. It's it's like it's an exciting thing. These guys are still excited about their music, and that's what I love about it. And that's that's kind of what brings us to the cover, which has also been a subject of a lot of fan debate. There were some people online who thought, oh, they blurred out the audience because they didn't want to have to pay the royalties to people, or they used this awful photo of them on the cover because they're cheap. And they <laughs> none of that's true furthest thing from the truth yeah i you know when we were talking about what the cover might be for this album i said um it would be great to show how much the audience is excited to see these guys that's what i see from looking backstage and peering out to the audience and it really makes me happy because i'm a monkeys fan and to see those guys getting this this love and them giving it back so great and this photo that was taken by coco i thought really captured that Yes, I know it's out of focus. People are like, did you know it's out of focus? Do you know? It's like, it's very kinetic. It's very energetic. And it shows the excitement that these two guys still hold for their audience and, and how they feel about their audience. And so there are a lot of nice crystal clear photos within the package, though, by our wonderful friend Sherry Hansen. And I'm so thrilled that after years and years of her taking all these wonderful concert photos, that they're legitimately on a Monkees album. And I see this very much as the third in this trilogy um, after Good Times, which was universally acclaimed, Christmas Party, which was, you know, the last record to really feature Peter uh, with a new recording and the Nesbeth cuts are just unbelievable on that. And then this record, I thought we need to follow in the tradition of those records to do something new with the monkeys that's also quite authentic to who they are. And so that's what this is. I, I did see somebody speculate that, well, they never show the monkeys' faces on the covers of these records because they don't want people to see what they look like. And that's definitely not in my mind at all. In fact, I had nothing to do with the covers for Good Times or Christmas Party. Those were put together by Rhino, and I, you know, I thought they were fine. You know, the monkeys, what the monkeys mean to different people is, is so different. You know, how, how we personally see them versus how everybody else sees them, so different. And I... You know, you're never going to make everybody happy, but I think that if you just let the music speak for for them, you know, if you literally listen to the band on this record, that you're going to be really happy. So let's kick off the album. start off with last train to clarksville what do you think about this version well i'm really thrilled by it i mean you know nez had, had sort of given me some critical commentary originally when we were planning out the mike and mickey show about not starting with last train to clarksville and that's why we have good clean fun and we went around the houses as it were to to start the show with a few different songs 
Uh, the whole process of building the set list originally with Michael and Mickey was that we had a, a long discussion. I went through all of the Mike and Mickey vocals that were possible. We talked about every single song. We looked at a lot of different songs. We even rehearsed some songs uh, at length that didn't make it in the show, like Salesman, Love's Only Sleeping. We did try those, but they just weren't coming together. So what I did was I wrote out all these different songs on slips of paper and made three columns and um, stood with Michael and Mickey. And I said, okay, so this column is, as you said, the must the must plays, the must haves in, in a show, because if we don't play I'm a Believer or Daydream Believer or Last Year in Clarksville, Pleasant Valley Sunday, the people will go away disappointed. I know that the Super Monkeys fans don't care if they ever hear those songs again, and they only want to hear interesting obscurities, but the show has to be balanced for everybody. We have to make everybody sort of happy in this. So we had that calm. Then we had the sort of, you know, these songs, People, a lot, a lot of people expect you to do You Just May Be The One, or... You know, they would be disappointed if you didn't do, you know, going down, things like that, which have become staples of the monkey show. And then there was a third column, which was the wild card. You know, would you ever do St. Matthew? Would you ever do Auntie's Municipal Court? And so we start working up those songs. And what went in the show were the songs that um, worked so well in rehearsals that immediately just jumped out of the room. You know, when these guys started singing, I was like, oh, my God, this is going to be fantastic. So um, that's how we arrived at this particular set list. And, you know, Clarksville, it's a very, very good rendition. And it's interesting to, to compare and contrast the different, you know, if you go back to Live 67 or the summer tour record or whatever else, it's interesting to hear it through the ages. But this one's very true to the original record and the arrangement, although it does have some pedal steel and everything has mm -hmm. a little bit of a country flavor because that's sort of the style that the Mikey Mickey show adopted. And that pedal stills from Pete Finney. The great Pete Finney. And I don't know if I'm never coming home. And that was a little bit of Last Train at Clarksville, which is followed by Sunny Girlfriend. Great version. And I love how everything on this album is just like, there's not a lot of filler in the sense that like, when I first was listening to it, I was like, is there no chatter in between the songs? There is some cool talk and some cool jokes and some hu some nice humor and stuff, but it, it is pretty much like a an album that you would sit down and just listen to this instead of like, Hey, how you doing Sheboygan for 20 minutes? Right. This is, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's very economical. It's very economical because that's, I want to put on as many songs as I could. Mm -hmm. So I tried and tried and tried to get as many on there as I could. And, uh, but in a good way and the stuff that's on there that they do say is really funny and really, you know, really interesting. Um, but it's not the same, routines about you know um whatever your insert your favorite monkeys routine <laughs> that you've heard a million times <laughs> yeah uh, 
So if, if people were disappointed that they had to hear Last Train of Clarkson again, at least you didn't have to hear, you know, this joke again or whatever else. So um, it's for, you know, it's a record to, to turn people onto the monkeys, not to turn them off. And I really think that this will do that. I think you're going to get some great reviews from people like Rolling Stone and stuff like that. Seriously, I'm, I, I would be surprised if you don't. Wow. Sunny Girlfriend is followed by Mary Mary. Again, very tight, economical. Rich Dart is just deadly as hell here. <laughs> the way he can crack from one song right into the other, and he's just amazing. Yeah, no, I mean, Rich Rich is a real gift to the band. And, and, and you know, when I first heard him play in 2012, uh, you know, I like to say, you know, Mickey Dolan's discovered Jimi Hendrix and Rich Dart. You know? mm -hmm. <laughs> Mickey's a good spotter of, of musical talent. I, I'm always, you know, out with him, and he'll lean over because this person's pretty good. Like, we'll watch some other bands. And Mickey's always kind of like, you know, really got his ears open. He's, he's, a, really, he's a really cool music person in that sense. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a couple things that really jump out to me about You Told Me. Yes. One is the background vocals. Uh, and this is going to sound weird, but I almost hear Davey. And, <laughs> and, and I know that it's not, but it has something to do with the strength of Christian's arrangements of the background vocals, bringing Alex Jules and him doing that one part and Cersei and uh, Coco doing that other part, that it just has that sound. There was the uh, uh, mamas and papas. They they would have this person when they sang. They would say sometimes that they had this fifth voice, this fifth band member that would emerge when they would all bring their voices together. That was Harvey, I think. So right. in this case, it sounds like Davy. In this case, <laughs> so that's just amazing. It was so wonderful to hear the care that went into the background vocals. And then you've got John Billings, who is like an MVP on this album because you hear his bass in a way that you've never heard before. And while there's been some great bass parts on Monkey's music throughout history. It's just slamming. It's overdriven, but it 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 doesn't it doesn't dominate. But it's there. You know what I mean? It's it's like let's take you on a ride on the amusement park. You know? Yeah, I mean Chip Douglas's original bass part on that song is so great, and, and John just does it 
total justice and, and Christian accentuated that and balanced the backing vocals so beautifully in, the, in this mix. It's really funny, I had a flash of a memory from 2011 about Davey and you told me because we rehearsed that song for the 2011 tour but never, it was, it never went in the set list uh, because we had such a long list of songs to play that year. And, and he said to me, he goes, damn Andrew, you know, I wanted to, you told me because it's so monkeys. That was what he said. But we have to cut something, you know, but it was like, Davey was the one guy in the band who would listen to the Monkees albums uh, for enjoyment, whereas the other guys, it's like, well, we got to study up on this, listen to it again. It's like, oh, you know, but Davey really loved the Monkees. Um, he was a fan of the Monkees. He was a big fan of the Monkees. And this, you know, this album is dedicated to Davey and Peter, without whom we would not have gotten as far as we did. So That's fantastic. And that leads us into our next track, For Pete's Sake, which Mickey does take the the time to say mr peter torque at the end of it and uh again just a wonderful version there's a couple times where you hear what on the albums the original albums you'd hear mickey singing the lead part and then you'd hear him doubling the part underneath and right. it's actually coco like exactly. pulling off a mickey imitation and then when he's <laughs> done with the the lead he then grabs that part back from her it's amazing exactly they've got such a close close vocal style and coco sings on a lot of the monkeys records too and that's what's amazing but you know i mean it's sad that we don't have peter but also in his absence we're doing uh for pete's sake more like the original record because for years you know peter had taken back that song and was doing it himself and we always enjoyed him doing that and um you know i miss peter every day i just i just loved him to death and uh and so it's uh, when we when we were doing these shows in March, you know, it was only days after he died. Yes, it was it was tough. It was tough, and and it was tough for the fans too. And um, so you know, that's just such a brilliant song and so evocative. I mean, it it really it so was so prescient of Bert and Bob to pick that as the closing theme. Uh, for the second season, because it is essentially the alternate monkeys theme. If you really think about it, the, the theme, you know, 
the, the themes that it touches on, you know, love is understanding and, uh, it's as, as great a, as a, 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 you know, a sort of manifesto as the, you know, theme for the monkeys, you know, we're the young generation and we've got something to say, this is, you know, in this generation, love is understanding. So it's, you know, Peter was brilliant and I'm so glad that he, um, that he's remembered well on this record. And it's a message for our times, right? Because in this generation, we need it now more than ever. So peace and love, man. So the up comes Door into Summer, which another great song. Again, Cersei and Coco and Alex and Christian doing the backgrounds. Just amazing stuff. And Wayne's no slouch either. And it's also interesting to hear Wayne and Christian like play off each other. Yeah, the main guitar on there is actually Christian uh, doing the acoustic guitar and um, doing a brilliant job of it as well. This was my gateway into this album. When he did the test mix of this and sent to me, it was like, yeah, we're in business. <laughs> we're making a record. You know, this is this is not just the hits. It's not just, uh, you know, it, it sounds amazing. This just sounds incredible. Mm-hmm. And such a brilliant song. I remember the first night they ever played it live. We were in Texas. And this is in uh, 2013 when we added it. And um, I was just like, yes. So great to finally get this to happen, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's followed up by You Just May Be The One. And again, John Billings making himself, his, his presence known once again. good michael sounds really good on this right you just may be the one it's interesting it's a slightly different arrangement that mm-hmm. michael had come up with for this but 
you know, whereas rearrangements can be kind of sometimes off-putting or whatever, and there is originally that you know, there's the TV version of the song and, and the headquarters version, which are fairly close but still a little different. This one is another great sort of uh, variation on one of the most brilliant two minutes of pop that have ever been written in my book. So, um, yeah, it's it's really neat how it, 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 there's a break and it shows how tight this band is that they could pull that off every night. Yes. Yeah, how the yeah. song literally comes to a stop and then starts and then stops and then starts and you don't you're you're not taken out of the moment. No, no, definitely not. Which then goes into a little bit me and a little bit you. That's a lot of fun. Right. I said And a little bit me, a little bit you is interesting. You know, obviously a Davy lead vocal. What I didn't know until recently was that um, that Mickey was originally supposed to sing that on the record. I didn't, I didn't know that. And that's not uh, that's not like just a, a a fairy tale, like a uh, you know Charles Manson tried out for monkeys. It's actually <laughs> a verified, proven thing that I have in uh, some new some new documentation that I've come across from my book. So. And then I talked to Mickey about it. It was really interesting. I, I learned, I've learned a lot about the history of the recordings from that period. And uh, so it, it's still, you know, identifiably a Davy song, but it's very comfortable for Mickey to sing because it was recorded in his key, which is up there in key of C. Right. So, um, and then the B side of that is The Girl in You Somewhere. And I have them sequenced, uh, not just on this record, but in the set list, because you're getting the A and the B side of the record. So... And then you've got Birth of an Accidental Hipster, which sounds even more like a monkey song here than it does on Good Times. That's because it is a monkey song. When I first heard that demo, Adam Schlesinger played it to myself and John in the studio, and it was just unfinished. It was... It had the melody, but no lyrics. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh my God, this is so great. They've got to finish it. And Adam was like, yeah, it's not finished. I go, this could be so great, especially with more than one of them singing. Like, you know, if, if in the Chip Douglas era where he where he got different guys to sing different parts and then really bringing them all together vocally. And, you know, that song became fully realized. Um, Paul Weller and Noel Gallagher did finish it. And then um, Michael and Mickey, you know, uh, did just a brilliant job of bringing it to life. And then Getting to do it live has been just a dream come true. Because, I mean, when I, that song was recorded, 
and we had those mixes of it before it came out. It was the first time in years where there was a new song that I just had to keep playing over and over and over again. I couldn't believe that the Monkees had recorded a song that was so good and so, you know, so worth hearing again and again. And um, that's why Good Times is such a brilliant album. You know, yes. it's it's a surprise. And I was taking an A and B, uh, Birth of an Accidental Hipster and Sweet Young Thing, the the two live versions on this, and how much they sound like brother and sister songs, but you never really realized it till this album. You know what I'm saying? Right. I'm headed out in the sunshine, baby. So then we've got St. Matthew, right? which is fantastic. Uh, was it hard to get Nez to do that one? No, not at all. I mean, that's the thing. We went down a really long list of stuff, and he didn't really say a hard no to much of anything, but there were certainly songs that he was more excited about doing than others. And we tried you know, a bunch of different things, but that one just came to life right away. And it's great, too, because so many of the songs from this era – that Nez was doing like Perpinquity or Little Red Rider or, you know, you, you think about all the Nashville sessions he did. They did come out on, on Monkey's records, but, you know, Nine Times Blue, for instance. But they later came out and they're sort of definitive versions on the first national band records. St. Matthew was never carried over to, to the first national band. So it's a distinctly Monkey's era track. And um, it's just, you know, his brilliant sort of oblique poetry and the arrangement is so forceful. It's really great, you know. Mm-hmm. She walks around on brass rings that never touch her feet. She speaks in conversations that never are complete. Looking Now, the next two songs are just wonderful, and they are some of my favorite versions of these songs. Like, I've only been listening to this album for, what, 
12 hours or something like that. Right. And uh, it these two songs really jump out at me. And it was so wonderful to hear this live as this was happening. But as we go along, is just stunning. It's breathtaking. Yeah, that's that's how I felt. I mean, when I heard that version in person, I cried. Because it's such a moving song for me personally. And it's such a brilliant song. And the performance, Mickey's vocal performance is just terrific. And the band sound unbelievable. Alex's keyboard parts and Proben's parts on the horn yes. blending in and, and Christian's mix of it all is just it's just perfect. sort of the the selfish choice here of do we put on as we go along or porpoise song and in this case even though porpoise song is technically more popular uh, i was like this version of as we go along is just too good not to be on here maybe some people really get turned on to the song if they hear it now that we're halfway into the album we can take some chances here and and even john you said interesting choice andrew no porpoise song but you got as we go along and i said yep it was a better performance. It's it's just it's really kind of a breathtaking, amazing vocal from from Mickey, and he got a standing ovation that night uh, that he did this performance. And it's all live. There's no overdubbing or fixing or anything in this performance. It's just, uh, you know, I'm glad. It, you know, that's the sort of thing you hope to capture. Right. And Mickey seems to be taken aback by the love that the audience is giving him at the end of that. Yeah, they spontaneously all stood up, and he was like, "Oh wow, hey, thank you." You know, he's because it, 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 it was great, and we were alternating between Porpoise Song and As We Go Along on this particular tour, where we would rotate them to different nights, and um, and the Porpoise Song is, is a good performance too. But this is just like, wow. I remember the first time I ever saw them do As We Go Along Live, which was 1989, uh, the night when Michael reunited with them at the Universal Amphitheater. And it was a mind blower to see them do that. And then just to see them do it again, I mean, it's a complicated song for him to sing because of the time signature. Mm -hmm. But he just did it so beautifully. And um, going into Circle Sky... (laughs) 
this is a great version of Circle Sky. And Nez, when, when he first came back in 2012, he had dropped the key. Um, this is all technical stuff. You know, he, he dropped the key down and uh, from A to G. So it would be easier to sing because it really takes the full throat of, you know, to, to, to and, and energy and power. And when he came back in 2016 and did a handful of shows with us, um, he was back up to singing it at normal key in A. And I was like, wow, this is really like, you know, blazing this whole place apart. And, um, and he was back there, you know, for, for this run. And, and just to see him after everything that happened in 2018, back in 2019, doing this song, having all of his lung capacity and just, you know, it's just unbridled energy, the song. So that's a great version. And uh, again, you know, like we were talking about John Billings bass earlier, uh, both in As We Go Along and in Circle Sky, you've got where the bass is pushing the song, pushing both of the songs. And there's one part at 140 or so in uh, Circle Sky where John does this really cool thing where he drags it up and then drags it back down. I'll play just that little bit right now. Okay. And it's just so fantastic. And, you know, you, you're probably thinking that I'm getting paid a quarter every time I mention John Billings' name. But <laughs> I, I trust you, I'm not. But it's he's just so present on this album. Everyone is so present on this album. When I said earlier, you get the feeling like you could turn around and look at every member of the band on this thing. Normally, when you listen to a live album, you feel like it's being blasted towards you. This makes you feel like you're inside of it. It's very detailed. Yeah. The mix is very detailed in all these songs. And you even hear the audience off in the distance. It's amazing. It's it's so good, so good. And that brings us to Pleasant Valley Sunday. <laughs> good solid version of the song and we kind of moved around where it was in the show as well and so in, in this case it closes the first half of the show uh which you don't hear you don't have an intermission on the record although you could take one if you need one right uh and that sets up our little acoustic set which is so good <laughs> yeah yeah i agree it is such a wonderful revelation to have this, and I was so happy when I found out that this was going to be a live album because this was one of my favorite moments 
of the last tour was this right here and as we go along and everything but but this was just special the way that it was done how it started out with just a couple people on stage four people and then as the acoustic set comes to a close you actually hear the instruments coming back a little bit at a time right to exactly. where everybody's present and on the stage again you if you listen to the trans uh, you know to to how it transforms from four guys into the entire band it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. No heartaches felt no longer lonely nights of waiting finally won me. Happiness that's all rolled up in And now with you as inspiration I look toward a destination Sunny bright that once before was blue I have no more than I did If you know it, so you And of course, they do a very weird version of Randy Scouse Git. <laughs> I like that version quite a bit. I do too, but the starting, you know, we talked about there's not a lot of talk. There's this thing at the beginning that happens <laughs> that sounds like they're doing a, an old Western show or something. Yeah, well, that's where you start to get into the Mike and Mickey show banter, you know. One of the stuff we included is really, you know, the funniest stuff and the stuff that kind of would live lives up to, uh, you know. You know, I, I in the past, I have all, lots of live records I've listened to uh, from being a, a, a child to an adult. And, you know, you always want to have that moment where it's, this is the first song of our new album. You know, you want to hear oh, something. Yeah, you want to have something that's memorable, but you don't want to have the, you know, uh, you don't want to have something that's embarrassing or like a just stale joke or whatever. So every every point of the way, I wanted to make a record that was going to stand up with all of those great Budokans of the world, you know, that all the great records that you played over and over again, almost as much as the studio records. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to me, this is, you know, to me, some of the best live albums of all time, whether it be Kiss Alive or Cheap Trick Live at Budokan or there's so many that we could name. But right. this is now one of them. Like, this is yeah. in the club for me. This is in that club. 
we also hear Michael doing some surprise background vocals, things that you wouldn't expect him to be doing that other, you would expect the uh, background vocalist to do. But Michael, Michael throws a few things in that it's really surprising and really nice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, he's very, very, you know, the word present or is uh, very overused. <laughs> these guys, But uh, he's very present on this. And uh, it's a wonderful thing. He's so fully engaged in the, in the songs and, um, you know, it's it's lovely that that vocal interplay with the four of them, even though there's two of them now. But that's always was the highlight for me. That's why I loved Headquarters and Pikes Aquarius so much. Mm-hmm. Is because you hear, you heard all of them. They're a group. They're and they're they sound great together. You know, so so to have any part of that back now in the present is uh, again present uh, is uh, is important to me. Then we've got this really cool version, and this was something that was really nice to hear live last summer. The I don't know what we want to call it, the shuffle version of Tapioca Tundra? What would you call it? Yeah, we talked a lot about that, about how how Tapioca Tundra would, would be reimagined, and uh, Christian definitely had a big part in this arrangement of the song. It's always been my desire. It's a great song to have in the show. We've had it in the show a few different ways. We had in 2012... We had it like it was like the single, you know, with that original arrangement. And then Michael got kind of bored with that. And then when he came back in 2016 for a handful of dates, it was a solo version, just, you know, his farewell to the monkeys. And so he was sort of like, well, do I even touch on Tapioca Tundra anymore? I've kind of said farewell to the monkeys. I had my solo version. I thought, thought, well, with this ensemble, with Pete, with Alex, you have so many different players that you didn't have around then. Could really bring it into a different place, but a different kind of great place. So, uh, um, you know, that's, it's one of the surprises or, you know, the variations that we have in the album. And I, I, I'm really thrilled by it. on the Good Times album. It is Mia Magdalena.
another great version. Yeah. I mean, I don't know of any other group from their era where you can place the songs from a few years ago along with the original songs from the 60s and Mm -hmm. have it be seamless where it's like, I want to hear me and Magdalena as much as I want to hear, you know, uh, uh, during the summer or whatever. I mean, it's a standard now. It's become Mm -hmm. a standard. That's just such a brilliant, beautiful thing. Yeah, well, that's that's kind of what I was saying earlier about how if you listen to Birth of an Accidental Hipster and the newest version of Sweet Young Thing together, they it sounds like they would be on the same record, if you will. Right, exactly. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah that energy, you know, the, the energy of these guys and the energy that their fans bring to the party is so intense. And I hope it's contagious. I hope that other people pick up on it, you know, like realize... These guys are pretty damn amazing, you know? They're the monkeys. And then (laughs) that follows with Auntie's Municipal Court, which at this point the entire band's back. Right. And, I mean, definitely for me the highlight of the Birds, Bees, and the Monkeys album. But also just like whoever thought we would get to hear this live finally Mm -hmm. after years and years and years and then have the perfect ensemble to really do it. You know, whoever thought we would have – have the the instrumentation to do it in this this sort of really broad sort of psychedelic bluegrass way you know but it just translates beautifully wonderful ums and stuff like that it's just fantastic in the original recording there's all sorts of crazy stuff on the multi-track we took apart that and we got some vocal pieces from from the multi-track i mean not for the record but when we were when we had the rehearsals to learn up the different pieces and so there's stuff like the ohms and, and other things on on there and when they were rehearsing the song originally went to, up to mickey's lyric sheet and i wrote here we go again on there. He's like, what is What do you mean? What's I go, no, that's what you say at the end of the record. You say, here we go again. Here we go again. Oh, oh, you want me to say that? I go, yeah, yeah. So he got to saying it. And then Nez, Nez kind of picked up on it and he started saying it too. So that wonderful ad lib part sort of became, you know, a new part of the, this arrangement of the song as well.
And then this leads into going down live, which I remember seeing this. This is where Mickey usually introduces the band, right? Right. But I remember thinking, well, they were talking about recording this, so this might be why he's not introducing the band. So you're getting going down live instead of having it be the introduction of the band song. It's just a straight song, which for a long time it hasn't been. Right, and I had to tell Mickey, um, Mickey, you have to sing the second verse of the song. You can't, <laughs> you can't have the audience sing. Well, why not? I go because it may not translate to the record. We need like a definitive live version. The only other, you know, the only other version we we don't really have another version we can we can call upon for this. So, um, so yeah, so you get you get this straight version. But the funny thing is, on this particular night that we got the best version of going down in this arrangement. Somebody in the audience did something or somebody on stage did something and Mickey, I don't remember what it was, but Mickey started cracking up during the song. And so I said to him, do you, Mickey, do you want to fix these parts where you're laughing? He goes, no, it's a live record. It's cool. It's different. Let's just leave it. It's kind of neat. You know, it's not like the record. It's, yeah, I can hear I'm laughing, but it's just kind of fun. So that's where you know it's a real live record because it's not, not all fixed. <laughs> So then that brings us to Sweet Young Thing. Fantastic bass, fantastic performances by everybody on the stage. And Wayne, you know, I you can't cut him out. And there's one point where in Sweet Young Thing before the solo, he says, break it. And then Christian <laughs> wails away on this thing. Yes. So tasty. Wonderful.
yeah, it was it was incredible to get Nez to do Sweet Young Thing like the record because his sort of natural inclination was to do the slower version that we had in um, sort of 2013. It was that long sort of dirgy version. And uh, to get it back up to the record tempo was was something else. But it's so satisfying, you know. But Nez is no stranger to signifying that a kick-ass solo is coming because he did that play Magic Fingers so long ago. But this, in 2019, he says, break it. So, <laughs> <laughs> And Christian does indeed, and it, he tears it up. It's fantastic. And then that leaves us with the last four tracks, which are I'm Not Your Stepping Stone, Daydream Believer, Listen to the Band, and I'm a Believer. What are your thoughts on these? Just brilliant. I mean, listen to the band, especially. I, I love this live version of Listen to the Band. I mean, from Nez's sort of quasi 33 and a third solo opening to when it kicks in, you know, it sounds like that edit on 33 and a third where all of a sudden, you know, Buddy Miles is playing on it and stuff. Hey, hey, mercy woman, plays a song and no one listens. I need help, I'm falling again Play the drums a little bit louder Tell me I can live without her If I only listen to the band Listen to the band The brilliant backing vocals of Cersei and Coco doing the uh, the brass part, you know, doing that in their nice high voices. It's just great. And I think I'm a Believer is really good. They're all good. You know, Daydream Believer is always tough. It's always tough having these Davy songs on there, not sung by Davy. And we just miss them. You know, we miss them so much. But it wouldn't be a monkey show without Daydream Believer. And that's just one of the standards of their songbook. And Mickey does a beautiful job. And you have some nice audience sing along on it so um it's good Yeah, Christian was great to bring the audience in there, and you get to really hear us as another member of the band, if you will. Yeah, we had a, some technical challenges with that fact, but we did manage to get it done um, because 
because we had such a tight sounding record that was so focused and so not reliant on ambient audience mics and other things that it was so much more of a detailed experience to bring that in to bring the audience in for that specifically posed some challenges of changing the um, the audio quality and other things but we we managed to work around it um i did the editing here at my um production studio and put in uh the, the you know did all the the final mastering stuff with dan hirsch who's worked on a lot of the monkeys records with me and um it was just a really great experience because i knew all through it i just knew like wow we have a great record this is going to be good so Again, the booklet is chock full of some really cool photos by Sherry Hansen, and it's just fantastic. And if you if you don't like the front cover, flip it over. You can see everybody on the back there. <laughs> you know, yes. something for everybody, right? You know, exactly, exactly. There are a few things in this that work to make it a perfect thing. Like, uh, you know, you were mentioning it was kind of difficult to get some of the audience recording and stuff like that, but it all comes together. This is truly a souvenir you know i almost want to call this souvenir you know what i mean because for for those of us who are lucky enough to see this tour it feels like this is the show you saw yes i agree and it's difficult i know for a lot of people they're like well why can't i have a dvd or blu-ray of this and the issue that we run into with that is that the cost it's not just the cost of filming it but the actual cost, each menu you work at, this is a very abstract for a lot of people. But believe it or not, the venues that we play at, and we get played a, paid a, a fee to play at those venues based on ticket sales and whatnot. But if you want to release something and say live from the you know Universal Amphitheater, that doesn't exist anymore, so they won't sue me. Um, Universal Amphitheater says, oh, great. Yeah, of course you could say that. Um, you need to pay us $50,000 as an advance on royalties because you're using our name. It's it's what's called an origination fee. It's the right. same thing why you don't see as many live from the Hollywood Bowls or Carnegie Halls anymore right. because those venues have all looked at these things as a profit center. So as soon as you identify what venue things are from or say live from such and such, unless you have some sort of ironclad deal with the people in advance or it's some sweetheart deal where they're, they're in on the whole thing with, with you, you are in a big mess financially. And that's the same thing. DVD and Blu-ray sales are so far down now uh, where it's really just all about streaming online, people watching things on Netflix or on Access or, or Hulu or whatever. If, there to be, if there's to be a Monkey's Live show in the future, it probably would be on that rather than on a, on a physical hard copy. That's not because that's what I want. That's just because where uh, consumer society has gone without me. I'm a physical medium guy. I love my records. I love my CDs. I love my cassettes. I love my reel-to-reel tapes. Uh, unfortunately, I'm in the minority, and a lot of us are. Um, so I'm just happy that this Mike and Mickey show um, CD is out there for people. And the vinyl will be available, too, cut by the amazing Kevin Gray, who's one of the best vinyl-cutting engineers in the world. I think you'll be thrilled by the way it sounds. The test pressings sound great. Fantastic. So April 3rd? We have the monkeys going on tour and a brand new monkey CD. And the vinyl comes out when? May the 15th. 
May the 15th. Fantastic. And let's take a look at those tour dates. April 3rd, we've got Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. April 4th, Moore Theater, Seattle, Washington. April 7th, the Crest Theater, Sacramento, California. April 8th, San Jose Civic at San Jose, California, oddly enough. Uh, April 10th, Fox Performing Arts Center, Riverside, California. April 11th, the Magnolia at El Cajon, California. I, I hope I'm saying that right, Andrew. Uh, April 4th, which is near San Diego, in case uh, anybody's wondering, well, why can't they play in San Diego? We're playing in El Cajon, which is like 10 minutes away from San Diego, so... So there you go, San Diegoans. And on April 14th, the Celebrity Theater in Phoenix, Arizona. April 16th, the Majestic Theater in Dallas, Texas. A lot of Zilchers will be there for that. April 18th, River Dome at the Horseshoe Casino in Louisiana. April 19th, Tobin Center for the Performing Arts, San Antonio, Texas. April 20th, Austin City Limits live at Moody Theater, Austin, Texas. And April 22nd, Iron City, Birmingham, Alabama. April 24th, the Golden Nugget Grand Event Center, Lake Charles, Louisiana. April 23rd, the IP Casino Resort and Spa, Biloxi, Mississippi. And of course, the Big Daddy, the show that we'll probably have the most zilchers at. April 26th, the, oh, you're going to have to help me with this one, Shermer, Shermer, Shermer Horn Symphony Center. Yeah, that sounds like something they would have said on uh, Laugh-In. The Shermer Horn, not Horn. Shermer Horn Symphony Center. Yay, I did it! In Nashville, Tennessee. And it's going to be fantastic. And hopefully there'll be a zilch meetup there at Wind Down Nashville, too, which is run by John and Amy. So I just got another quarter from John for mentioning that. So, <laughs> But uh, there will be zilch buttons that are going to be different than the ones that we did for last year. So be on the well, lookout for those. I'd like to remind everybody, too, with the exception of the show in Bossier City on the 18th and the show um, at the IP Casino Resort in Biloxi on uh, April 25th, all of the other shows, the other 13 shows, when you buy a ticket, you get a free copy of the Mike and Mickey Show CD. Uh, They'll send you a code, and you can redeem it. Not everybody redeems their codes, but everybody who does redeem their codes it helps uh, the monkeys in the sense that the the records charting will be a little bit better. So redeem those codes and get your free monkeys record. And um, the only times where you won't get a free monkeys record are if you're from apparently out of the country, I've been told, or if you buy from a second-party seller. Like say you go on StubHub mm. and buy somebody's tickets that they unfortunately can't use or want to get a little bit extra money for. You don't get their their uh, CD uh, so, so it only that's only applicable if you buy from the original uh, place, the original like Ticketmaster or whatever. So, my apologies to anybody who struggled with that. I want everybody to have this record. It will be available to stream on Spotify and Apple Music, and you can download it from iTunes. It'll be in all the regular places. So, uh, and I know the pre-orders were up on Amazon for a while, and then they weren't up because Amazon doesn't necessarily do pre-orders the way they used to. I am sorry. I know things are changing and they're weird and I don't always understand them either. But um, I want everybody to get this record and, and listen to it and enjoy it. So Zilch Army, Zilch Nation, these are your marching orders. Get out there and get some tickets. Go out there and get the Monkeys Live, the Mike and Mickey show. Thank you, Andrew Sandoval, for stopping by on the Monkeys Live, the Mike and Mickey show media day. Yes, and look out for our brand new single, which is Lashner and Clarksville, which has a video 
a pro shot video of the guys doing Last Train to Clarksville for everybody to enjoy. Fantastic. Well, I want to thank you for including Zilch in on the media day for this. It's very special. And the chance to listen to a new Monkees album with you was fantastic. And thank you for including us here. It's my great pleasure. And thank you so much for your support of the Monkees over the years. It just means so much to us and to all the fans I know to have that support and have that connection and know that there's good things, good times coming. Always. We look forward to more of them. And again, thank you very much. You are one of us. You are uh, you're an honorary zilcher. You're, you have a key <laughs> to the building here. And uh, we're just glad that you are part of us and we are part of you. So Thanks. Thank you. We will see you all on the next episode of Zilcher Podcast Full of Monkeys. And don't forget to check out the Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion Podcast with Al Bigley and Alan Williams as well. Sending some love over to them. Check them out. Love you all. Thanks for listening. Say see ya, Andrew. See ya. And that's our show. Zilch is an online nonprofit monkeys audio fanzine made by fans for fans. Any samples of music or interviews heard remain property of their owners. We are not related to the monkeys or any of their members, past or present. We are not affiliated with Rhino or Ray Bird. If you hear anything you like from the band, go on Amazon or iTunes and buy it. If you enjoyed the show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm your announcer, Chelsea Epstein, saying always take some time to monkey around.